0: Good morning, good morning, Living Hope. Welcome back again into the Lord's house. Um, it's good to be with you. I sometimes wonder about having Christmas at the end of the year, um, so close to New Year's, and whether or not it would be better if things were more spread out. Not that I can do anything about it. But, um, but I think there's something that's really sweet about having a month-long build-up to the celebration of Christ's birth many of us have had a week uh, traveling or with family or with friends. Some went right back to work. But now today we finish out the year and we look ahead to next year. And I think there's something really sweet and beautiful about kind of centering ourselves and having the end of the year build up to Christ and His birth and the life that we have in Him and then using that to launch us into the next year. Of course, the calendar is, is just a calendar, but I think for us, for men and women, it's good to have a reset, to have a restart, to think through goals and priorities and, and what we're looking ahead to in, in 2024. And so I hope that you're doing that, um, coming off of remembering our Savior, building next year on the foundation of Christ and His work, and a living hope for the last uh, 16 years, um, Every every year... It's either the Sunday right after Christmas or or the next Sunday, depending upon where Christmas falls. We set aside that Sunday to share testimonies with one another to share stories and accounts of all that God has done in our life, either in this past year or, or at some other time in, in our life. And it's, a, it's an exciting way to wrap up the end of the year, to give glory to God, to remind ourselves that this faith that we have is not just something in a book, it's not just something that, that is in this room for 90 minutes on Sunday morning. The faith that we have in Christ, the hope that we have in Christ, transforms our lives. Amen. And fills every corner of our hearts, of family, and, and every area of life. And this morning, the testimonies that we're going to hear, uh, you'll, you'll find some commonality as they all are looking to Christ. But they're going to be different different struggles, different issues, different challenges, different areas of life. But you're going to see God working in all and through all. And, and our desire this morning is to encourage one another, to remind one another that, that Christ truly is at, at work now. He is alive the Spirit is at work in our hearts. And it's ultimately to encourage one another, but also to, to give glory to God. And this is what the Scriptures call us to do. Look look with me at, at Psalm 105. Psalm 105, we're called and encouraged in the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice, seek the Lord in His strength, seek His presence continually. This is what the Word of God calls us to, and this is what we're going to do this morning. We're going to give thanks to God as we hear stories of His triumph and His victory and Him walking with people. We're going to give thanks to God. We're going to make known His deeds among the people. We're going to make known all that God has done right here this morning and hopefully then carry that out to give testimony of, of what God has done. And we're going to tell of His wondrous works, it says in verse 2. And this morning, as people share, you're going to hear wonderful things. And, and it's not about them They'll be sharing their lives and their story, but it's not about them. It's about the wondrous works of God. And we're going to glory in His holy name this morning. And it says that that those who seek the Lord are called to rejoice. And so I pray that this can be a, a time of of rejoicing as we seek the Lord together. We seek His presence continually. And so let's seek Him together this morning as we hear testimonies from people. And we look forward to this day. Some of you have, have said that this is your favorite service of the year. And just as a reminder, the elders by no means want to limit our time of testimony to this Sunday. We have testimonies throughout the year with retreats and missions trips and different things at, at any point in time. If you have something burning on your heart, a testimony of God's work in your life, a prophetic encouragement, a, a scripture, a prayer, speak to one of the elders. We'd love to give you the opportunity throughout the year do that in your life groups, in your small groups, on Sunday morning together. So we're going to be, begin this morning with my friend Mike Wagner. Some of you know Mike as one of our, our worship leaders. Mike's going to share a testimony this morning, and he's going to do it in a way that is easiest for him, which is is through song. If you know Mike, his passion for the Lord comes out in his worship, in his songwriting, and he thinks and he prays, and he he, he really communicates through song, don't you, Mike? So... Tell us about what the Lord's done, brother, and and uh, and let's hear it.
1: Well, good morning, all. Um, with all the little kids going, you are more terrifying to look at it all you than you maybe imagined. Trust me. All nervous, my heart's pounding. I feel like Craig has got me on one of his Iron Man things. Um, but yes, uh, my name is Mike. I am husband to Liz uh, Wagner, father to Clara, Lillian, and Audrey. And um, like Tim said, I'm up here. I'm going to share half my testimony, and then the second half will will actually be in a song uh, that the Lord gave me uh, and and was really staring at me to share today. So I'm going to speak about how God used a circumstance and and a new perspective that I was given to really deepen my relationship with him and get me off of what I, I will call the spiritual plateau that I was on. So in late July, early August, I can't remember the day, I drove myself to the ER in York. And um, keep in mind that if my arm was falling off my body, dangling by a piece of flesh, I would look for duct tape. So I had to go to the ER. Something was messed up. So um, I had been dealing with some issues for months on the front and back side of my lower torso, and it seemed to be coming to a head uh, at that time. So long story short, I had a CT scan, a uh, long wait. guy who came in, had a serious face, zero small talk sat right down next to me and said, well, we found some things that are concerning, uh, and they require, like, immediate follow-up. And I remember he said, like, don't go to work tomorrow. Like, do you have your phone on you? Call and make an appointment now. That's exactly what he said. So it's not a good one. I hope people are saying that. So um, he named some of the things. We went down the list. Um, He concluded with uh, that I had a a pancreatic lesion and a decent-sized mass on my right kidney, consistent and suspicious for renal cell carcinoma. I Googled that. It's kidney cancer because uh, I have no idea what that means. Uh, he then said, right now, uh, follow up on all this. So um, we had some more conversations. He left. I was in the room by myself and with my with my thoughts and, uh, and Google, which is not good. Have you ever Googled what's wrong with you? <laughs> by the time I left the hospital, I had like 31 incurable diseases and stuff like that. So, um, But it's not that bad. So um, hearing all those words, they really sort of silenced me. And I remember I wasn't angry. I wasn't sad. I wasn't really even emotional. Uh, but as you can imagine, uh, if any of you have ever been there and hearing that cancer word, just, even just come up in, in, the, uh, in the hospital, things run through your head. You know, who's going to take care of my wife and girls? Uh, who's going to help them grow in life and provide support and comfort and companionship to them and to my wife? And who will be there to walk my little girls down the aisle? And then, you know, did I have enough life insurance? You know, and and, and a, dozens or, or hundreds of things uh, ran through because... It seemed at the time, anyway, that all this stuff was connected and something had spread. And uh, I was convinced that I was on the last few months of my life, honestly. And it was an I'd never been there before. It's an interesting place to be. You start looking at things and thinking about things uh, uh, through a different lens. So anyway, um, a few days into it, I told some people, and Pastor Tim texted me uh, Philippians 3. I don't know if you remember that. But um, I dwelt on that, like, pretty seriously for a few days. And I'd heard Philippians 3 before um but i never really kind of like i don't know it was kind of like like i got it but i didn't really get it and then you know how like you have these moments where the holy spirit just it's like oh that's what that means you know um and and i was re- really reading through i wanted to read it here philippians chapter 3 verses 4 through 14 if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh i have more this is paul speaking circumcised on the eighth day of the people of israel of the tribe of benjamin a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which is Christ Jesus. He took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal of to win the prize for which God has called me in heavenward in Christ Jesus. So I put, I put myself in, in that in that framework, um, and, and I kind of replace some words with what's going on in my life. And, and going back to verse four, if anyone had a reason to put confidence in the flesh, it, it actually was me, born and raised and. In, in, Poverty, excelling in high school and sports and attending trade school, starting a career, marrying my high school sweetheart, acquiring my favorite muscle car since I was—I knew what a car was, buying a house, having three beautiful girls, sending them to a school where they come home talking about and singing about Jesus, where they say grace each night before we eat dinner, climbing the ladder of my career and purchasing land to design and build my own house, which was a dream literally 30-plus years in the making, an American among Americans attaining the American dream, and then sitting on my porch dwelling on Philippians 3, I, I look at this flesh with, which is obviously failing me, this flesh that's susceptible to every single thing that would, that would put it away, looking back and asking if I really spent time wisely, examining my heart and mind while running through my accomplishments, ashamed of all the testimony that I left inside my pocket when I got a compliment. Ashamed of all the times I took credit for something that God did. It doesn't have to be running around with your chest out taking credit. It's simply keeping those testimonies inside. When someone says, "Yo, you're a lucky man, or someone says, you deserve that, you work hard. Right? I kept those testimonies in my pocket. It was on the tip of my tongue, but so many times I never really said it. Ashamed that I never put as much effort into the very reasons God took hold of me as I did for the things I was aiming to take hold of. So this caused a great stirring in me and and really caused me to examine the different things in my life, but specifically my personal walk with God. As Paul said in verse 12, I began to press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And and that sounded kind of confusing when you say it, but it it made a lot of sense. There's a reason God took hold of me. There's a reason God takes hold of you. And I, I wanted to strive to see what that reason was. Um, That doesn't mean I walk around. I'm more radiant. I don't float above the ground. I still lose my temper. I get annoyed sometimes. Might say things I regret. Um, But going back to 13, and Paul said it. Verse 13, and Paul said it himself. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And that's a great verse to end a new year and turn the page end the year and turn the page on a new one. So anyway, as I was going through this and dwelling, my good friend Mike Santoro texted me and he said, he was checking in and he kind of said, you know, in talking, hey, you ever thought you should sit down and write a song about how you're feeling? And it's not really generally how they go. Usually if something's bugging at you and you got to write it down before you forget it. But I was like, oh, that's a good idea, Mike. I was home alone and sat down and talking to God for a while, and he put this song in my heart. He gave me this melody. He gave me these words. And um, a few hours later, the song was written, um, also with help uh, say a few good words from my friend Miles and his wisdom um, that I adjusted, but... Turn the guitar up. That'll help. So I dedicate this testimony to my Savior, of course, And then secondly, to all who have prayed for my family and I and everyone in the church who's been a friend, and I also dedicate the song to anyone who has or may currently be going through anything that would rob you of the joy and assurance that he is with you every step of the way and longs for a deeper relationship with you.
2: Lord, we've had some long hard roads. There may be more to come And I can't help but wonder Will it all be done? Been fighting Through it I remain For Jesus You were with me Every step away Through the long and restless nights alone So I sank beneath the waves But you were there amidst the sea to calm the storm, to carry me, and I knew that you were here to stay. Right beside me, every step I way. Did it all for my sake. So press on to the call of Jesus. There
0: Thank you, Mike. What a joy, brother, to watch your faith grow through your struggle, to see the Lord prove himself to you, walking with you every step of the way. Appreciate your sharing, man. Um, hey, you guys do not have to sing, just so you know, when you come up here to share. Um, Andrew, would you come share what the Lord's done in your life this year? If you don't know Andrew Sawyers, he's been a faithful part of Living Hope Church for, I, I think it's got to be close to 16 years. You've been here since the beginning. And so Andrew is a steady, faithful, humble, uh, godly man, and we look forward to hearing what the Lord's done in your life.
3: All right, thanks. Hard to follow Mike. Um, that was beautiful. So good morning all. Um, I think as Tim just mentioned, I think so few of you uh, who know who I am. So I share a little bit about myself, and then I'll talk to you about some of the things that uh, have been, how God has just been faithful in my life. Um, again, I'm Andrew Sawyers. I've been, I've lived in the Shrewsbury community for close to 20 years now, and um, started at Living Hope in 2008, uh, with a few of, you, f- few of us here. I can see a few people who were here back then, who are still here, and uh, it's been a great journey. Um, I live. Uh, my wife uh, is here with me. She's not here today, but my wife uh, is is part of my my just wonderful family. I have a son and a daughter. I was just talking to someone about my son. He's 23 years old. He was, uh, you know, he's just graduated from college, and my daughter is a senior in high school. Uh, a little bit about me in terms of background. I um, I grew up in Jamaica as a kid. Um, Moved to the United States in the early 90s, uh, went to grad school, uh, did a master's and ultimately uh, a doctoral degree at Hopkins. And so I've been working in that field, in the environmental field, and primarily focusing on uh, where my passion is, um, helping communities across the United States uh, to uh, have safe water and clean sanitation. I direct an office. Uh, that focus on this at the U.S. EPA. So I work for the federal EPA. Um, so I want to focus a bit. Uh, when, you know, it's interesting, when Tim uh, sent a note and said, you know, you've just been, you've been at the church forever, and uh, um, I'd like for you to share a bit about how the Lord has been working in your life. And, you know, I immediately responded, yes. But after the response, I'm like, what exactly will I share? And so I had to think about that. But yeah, you know, I think by the next morning I think I sent to Tim a note, Tim and no Tim and no the next morning. This is what I'd like to share because it was it was clear to me there's just so much good happening. There's so much good for us to share. And um and this verse came to me and I'll paraphrase it's not exactly uh how you know how the verse is read but I'll paraphrase what's in there. It's in Genesis 17 verse 2. And I will make my covenant a solemn pledge between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And I think in many ways, this verse sort of embodies so much about what I do on a daily basis, on an annual basis. I want to share, I think it helps me as I think about sharing just God's faithfulness in my life and my commitment and pledge have provided blessings in so many different areas. In myself, my family, others, you know, over the years as I continue to increase in the Lord, and especially in my journey here at Live in Hope over the last 16 years, and it's been sort of a process, if you will. I think our journey is a process. I started to better understand um, that, you know, for the most part, I needed to put others first. Because I was so driven to be successful. I was so driven uh, to pursue my work engagement, pursue everything else. But through that journey, through my journey uh, over the last 16 years, my religious, my spiritual journey, I started to better understand um, what I needed to do uh, to, in, in terms of putting others first. And and I think through that process of putting others first, and through my work and trying to figure out ways to impact the lives of communities and citizens across the country, there's a covenant that I that, that sort of became readily apparent to me was unveiled if you will as I talked about that covenant that commitment that solemn pledge this is something that I've been striving to do for the last maybe 15 years and on a daily basis this is something I think about and it drives me this thing and I mentioned it to Tim I call it this unwavering unselfishness this untethered desire unbridled desire to impact the lives of others And I think that pledge has really sort of forced me to think through, to get closer, to be closer to God. And so the covenant and and the thing about it, too, it is a process, as I said earlier. It has taken me years to sort of harness what is critically important to me. It has taken me years to understand, and I think Tim said this earlier, it is not about me. It is not the singular person. So much of what I do is about others and I started to better understand how to engage and communicate with my wife, with my family, with my kids. And through that process of starting to understand, you know, how the singular is not the, is not what we should pursue or what I should pursue. And I should be more in sort of the plurality, if you will, and start to focus more on others. I think God has sort of strengthened that covenant in me. And it has empowered me to live out what I call, this calling, frankly, this wonderful calling, because he has empowered me, he has forced me, think about others first, Andrew second, subjugate your things, the things that are most important to you, subjugate them and ensure that others are uplifted. And so, sharing a little bit, just in terms of self, others, and Family and how my focus on them have actually helped me as you think about that verse that I shared earlier. That pledge to support others, how that has actually provided blessings to me. And so I'll start with this idea of this unwavering unselfishness, if you will. You know, there's so many times that I think, oh, Andrew, you should do this. You have deserved it. You have worked hard. But I think my family, Deserves this, you know, especially as fathers you bring your family uh, You know your children into this world. You have an obligation to support them through to through the end You have an obligation to love them. You have an obligation to love your wife and so I think so much about when I think about Andrew first or doing things that would benefit me immediately I transcend and I start to think about how will my wife and children think about this? How will this benefit them? And there's so many different examples, not just about family, but work. I think about this untethered desire, and I call it, you know, uh, untethered desire, unbridled desire to impact the lives of others. I spend so much of my time at work. I work in Washington, D.C., um, and I spend a lot of time traveling across the country. I spent a lot of time working in communities that don't have sanitation. I spent a lot of time working in communities where the sewage actually runs from their home into creeks. They call it straight pipe, into creeks. And people would never believe that in this great country that there are almost two million Americans who do not have decent sanitation. And part of my job is to help figure out how some of these communities will be able to get appropriate sanitation. And it drives you. It absolutely drives you. I get up at times thinking about the work that I need to do. And so the work we're doing across communities, whether it's in Alaska or Puerto Rico or along the United States-Mexico border or in tribal communities across the country, is to help communities have safe water, and uh, appropriate sanitation. And so much of this is through God's grace. I mean, I think about my journey from Jamaica to here and the work that I'm doing. I, I couldn't be more blessed. This didn't just happen, right? These things just don't happen. This is because of his grace. I think about the work that I've done with my family over the years and just how I see so much growth in my kids. I have a son who um, just finished uh, uh, his grad school and is working. And I've been incredibly worried about like where life is going to take him. But it's starting to make sense. But I'm still nervous. And I have a daughter who just enjoys life, uh, absolutely enjoys life, way more than I think she should. But she enjoys it. Um, She's a senior in college, and she's excelling. I cannot say a word to her because she's doing everything that we have asked of her. But she enjoys life. She optimizes it fully. And so I think about how God is working in my life. I think about him iteratively helping me to understand what my purpose is. And I'm, I'm pretty clear on what I think my purpose is now, helping others, helping my family, helping myself, frankly. Impacting the lives of citizens across the country, and as I noted earlier, this journey that I've been going through, um, and, and and I can tell you, there's just some incredibly difficult parts of it, and I'd, maybe at some other point I'll share. But I think the journey, when I think about the journey, I also think about it as an experience. All the different things that have happened along the way, I use it as an experience. I think each part, each experience helps me to strengthen my resolve, to have a better understanding of how this specific issue or situation can actually help me to be a better person, to be a better advocate for my family and for the communities that we're trying to help. I truly believe that moments of vulnerability in our lives, if we treat them as experiences, they're absolutely important in helping us to establish the covenant and the covenant that I have. This covenant of unwavering unselfishness, this untethered desire to help others. I think it has grown and it has become solidified, if you will, primarily because, because of that journey, because of those experiences. And that's one of the things that I've learned over the years, that we have to value the experiences that we're going through. We have to value the experiences of our family and of others. Listen intently and see how you can use those experiences to build, you know, to build your basis, if you will, to build your covenant, to build your pledge. And so I wanted to just share with you this morning that This pledge, if you will, this covenant is something that is so critical for me as I continue to sort of grow. And and, and this, it it is not, it is not a finished product. There's so much work to do and I think that's the exciting part of it. There's so much work to do. There's so many, there's so much growth that needs to happen with me. There's so much, so many communities that still need our assistance. My family, there's so much that they need. My son, my daughter, my wife, there's so much that they need. So any pledges that we make or I'm making, it's just, it's part of it. it. It is not a finished product. We're constantly trying to grow here. And so I thank God for the faithfulness in my life. I thank him for the promise to bless us and multiply us. I thank him as he direct the steps that we need to take to keep us close and to help us, help me to continue to increase in him. Because as we increase in him and we develop our pledge, our covenant, that's the way he will multiply us. And so I, I just wanted to share with you uh, this morning, Tim, uh, a bit of my journey and some of the things that have been uh, particularly influential in my life over the last 15 years here at Living Hope. So thank you for the opportunity to share.
0: What an encouragement. What an encouragement. Um, I just want to read that verse, Andrew, that you read. This is Genesis 17. This is the Lord speaking to Abraham. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. That's the foundation of our faith as God makes His covenant with Abraham and calls Abraham to, to be blameless and to walk before him and now in Christ, as we see in Andrew's lives and in our lives, we can walk with the Lord and he continues to to multiply us through his faithfulness. Thanks, brother. It's a, it's a blessing to know you and to stand with you. Connor Coggins is going to share next. Connor is a godly young woman who has a heart for the Lord and God is at work in her life. So testify to what God is doing.
4: Good morning everybody. My name is Connor Coggins and I'm so excited to share what the Lord has taught me in the past couple of months. When Pastor Tim reached out to ask if I would be willing to share this morning, I wanted to say no, but I knew I needed to pray about it for a couple of days before declining. While praying about this testimony, Revelation 12:11 kept coming to mind. This verse talks about Christians overcoming the devil, and it says, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. This reminded me of the importance of testimonies and sharing what God is doing with other people. There are people who like to debate apologetics and argue over religions, but it is hard to argue against personal experiences we've had with God. As many of you know, I have started teaching middle school this past fall. And since beginning this job, there has not been a dull moment in my life. My students come from broken families, and when you put 25 kids in one room who are all dealing with this brokenness to varying degrees, it results in tension, mental health crises, and sometimes physical fights. In these crazy times, God has given me several opportunities to share his love with my students. My first takeaway is that I can spend forever waiting for the perfect opportunity to evangelize, or, by God's grace, I can view every day as an opportunity to share the gospel. My dad and I like to watch Christian movies, and they can be great, but I think they can also set us up with unrealistic expectations. Oftentimes in these movies, a person comes up to a Christian and says, what do I have to do to be saved? And then the Christian in the movie, shares the gospel, and the other person accepts the gospel soon after. While God can and does work that way sometimes, I have only ever had one experience similar to that in my life. Most of the time when I tell someone about Jesus, it frequently appears to have no effect on the other person. Praise God that only he can save souls. Sharing the gospel is an honor that Jesus has given to me and to you. He doesn't need us to do it, but he asks us to. The effect of our evangelism is for God to decide. We just have to share. In 1 Corinthians 3, 6-7, Paul talks about this when he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. While I may be planting or watering seeds in my classroom, Only God can give the growth. I now want to share a couple of the seeds I've been able to plant with my students. One day, a particularly troubled student came in wearing a gospel bracelet. If you haven't seen one before, it is a bracelet with several different colored beads that represent different aspects of the gospel. I asked the student about it, and he didn't seem to know what the bracelet was really about. He said a friend had given it to him. I was able to explain what the beads meant, that red stood for the blood of Jesus, black stands for our sin, etc. The student did not seem particularly responsive to this, but now he has heard the gospel. Another time in the classroom, this same student decided to Google me during class. Unfortunately, if you Google me, pictures come up of me running track and cross country. In one or two of the pictures, I am wearing a uniform that says Messiah on it because I graduated from Messiah University. The kids saw this and one of them asked me, do you love God? I then got to tell a whole room full of kids that I do in fact love God very much. From there, that led to other students in the classroom also sharing that they love God. Other opportunities have come along, some seeming to be not as big or exciting, but they're opportunities nonetheless. Back in the fall, after one of our church potlucks, I was given a pumpkin to take home because it was a leftover decoration from the luncheon. I put it in my classroom, and of course, the kids asked me where it came from. I got to tell them that my church gave it to me, and that led to questions and statements about church from kids in the class. A similar situation occurred when I got a mini Christmas village from the Staveleys in our life group White Elephant. I put it in my classroom, and that opened up another door for talking about church. Praise God for putting these opportunities in my life and helping me to use them. And praise him that I can do nothing to turn these kids' hearts towards the Lord. Only he can. While the opportunities I shared with you are exciting— A lot of the job consists of difficult students and telling kids that they might not care if they fail my class, but I do, and I'm not going to let them off the hook just because they don't want to try. My family will tell you, I come home in a depressed state a lot of the time, as it is hard to not take all of this home every day. That is where the body of Christ in prayer has come into play so often. I have been overwhelmed by the love, support, and prayer from fellow believers during this time, especially from people in this congregation. Every Sunday, I have multiple people coming up to me saying, I've been praying for you this week, or I pray for you all the time, or I'm going to pray for you more. There isn't a greater gift than being prayed for by your friends. While I have always known that close Christian friends are critical to a healthy Christian life, I have really seen that these past few months. In the book of Luke, there was a paralyzed man who, of course, wanted to be healed. Because he was paralyzed, he could not get to Jesus on his own, and the room where Jesus was working was too crowded to get into. The paralyzed man's friends cut a hole into the roof and let him down into the room, Luke 5:19 through 20 describes this by saying, But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. This man's sins were forgiven and he was physically healed, all because he had friends who were literally willing to lay him down at the feet of Jesus. Christian friends matter. While it is amazing that everyone checks up on me on Sunday mornings, they don't just wait from one Sunday to the next to support me. It will be a random Wednesday morning that is not going well, but then Becky Rep will text me to let me know that she is praying for me. Or it's a Sunday afternoon and Corinne brought me an encouragement gift basket with a card that has scripture in it. I now keep this card in my desk at work, and I pull it out during lunch break sometimes when I need encouragement. These are only a few examples of many times people in this congregation have encouraged me, prayed for me, and lifted me up. The Lord has worked through his people, through all of you, to help me keep going. I leave you with two takeaways. One, don't wait for the right moment to share the gospel. I'm willing to bet that there is someone in your life who needs to hear about Jesus. If all of us committed to sharing the gospel with just one person this week, that would be 200 people, give or take, that hear about God's love. Finally, I would encourage you to find or lean into your Christian support group. There are life groups, accountability groups, and people in this room who are just waiting to walk alongside you and encourage you. It is so easy to be complacent in evangelism and prayer. Let's make 2024 a year of intentional evangelism. Thank
0: you. Amen. Thank you, Connor, for sharing. There's a word to describe what Connor um, just shared, and it's missionary And she travels to to inner city Hanover every Monday through Friday to to teach in that middle school. And she's a missionary there. And and now not just a dozen or two people are praying for her. Now we can all be praying for her. But each of us has that call. Amen. To share Christ. I want to invite Nora Whiteford up next. Um, Nora, how old are you? 17. 17. I want to clarify that because you will think as she shares that she's 25. Um, but Nora is 17, and she is a humble, uh, courageous young woman, so share what the Lord's done.
5: Yeah, well, thank you for having me here. Like Pastor Tim said, I'm 17. My name is Nora Whiteford, and I've been attending Living Hope for as long as I can remember. Um, My testimony has grown exceptionally over the last few years, and it's been a long time coming that I share this today. Jesus died on the cross and rose again so that I, and anyone who accepts him as Savior, might live for him. The enemy has had a hold of fear over me sharing this, but our God can move mountains and he can calm any fear. I grew up in a Christian household, I still do, and I really had a strong support group around me, and I'm really thankful for my parents. But since a young age, I personally process things in an unhealthy way. I felt that I could justify harming myself because I would be the only one damaged from it. My addiction to self-harm only grew worse as my mental health declined. Self-harm seemed like the only constant in my life after my grandfather passed away and everything around me was changing. A lot of people don't realize that even really young kids can struggle with things as big as self-harm. Obviously, COVID didn't help. Isolation and being trapped in one's own mind can bring about terrifying realities. After a bit, a little bit of pain doesn't suffice, and things grow more and more intense. I hid these things for years. Self-harm and suicidal thoughts fester. Keeping things bottled up can only lead to explosion. I opened up to a group of close friends, which was relieving, but in all honesty, there's only so much help some freshman girls can offer. I love them to death, but this practice I hung to needed help from my church, my parents, my family, my dog, and friends, and most importantly, a God who saves. I wanted to keep it a secret, but my parents caught on since I was sending code words to friends and telling people opened floodgates of pain. I had finally exploded from bottling up. Things got really, really dark. Not only was I struggling with suicidal tendencies and self-harm, I was being tortured by demonic presence. At times, I watched myself from outside of my body, and I was being talked to. I couldn't escape the voices anywhere I went. God seemed like he had left. My medication wasn't enough, my therapy, my outlets. Nothing could give me what I needed from hurting myself. But the Holy Spirit has overwhelmingly more power against any demonic presence, and those in my life fought alongside me in prayer through it all. Healing wasn't a quick process. God used one of my most painful experiences to save me. I had a plan to end my life, and then I got bucked off of a horse and broke my arm. I was bedbound, and my parents had to care for me. I was physically unable to go through what I was set upon. God wasn't done with me. He had and still has a plan for me. Um, when I was struggling, my mom covered my mirror with scripture verses that I read every morning, and I still do to this day. These verses are Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes through with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I also had 2 Timothy 4.17, which is... But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. And then First Peter 5-7, which states, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Through so much prayer, medication, Therapy, support, scripture, and altering the ways I thought. I started to see a light at the end of the tunnel. God's grace healed me, and I got a sparkle back in my eye. I wish that's where it ended, but I had other struggles. I searched and searched for validation. I got into things I shouldn't have and used my chance at life to fulfill my own desires. I was grateful to God, but I wanted to control my own life. I was certain on creating my own path, being independent, and making my own choices, which sounds good at first, but I suffered physically a lot. Some of it had to do with my relationship with food and other things I still struggle with today. Through a series of ups and downs, I was still struggling with suicidal thoughts and dark moments. I had an interaction with a traveling gospel group, and that left me angry and doubting God. The one person's words hurt me, and I was angry at church in general. Finally, my friend invited me to a huge Jesus rally called the Sind, which that very group that hurt me was associated with. I didn't want to go, but I still went with her, and I'm grateful every day that I did. I struggled severely with migraines. They came every day, they were blinding, and they made me unable to do anything. The one speaker said that God had revealed to him that someone was struggling with migraines. I started crying, I fell on the floor. Hundreds of people started to pray over me and the speaker's wife laid her hands on me and called the spirit of pain to leave. At first I was skeptical because I had never really experienced anything like this and I thought it was fake, I thought it was show. But I never got a migraine again, ever. This month marks my two years self-harm free and next month marks my one year migraine free. God used another large life event for me to focus on him a couple of months after attending this event. I still wasn't trusting him with my future. I heard his voice as clear as day telling me to get out of a bad situation. I left, and it was painful. My heart, and seemingly at the time, my life seemed broken. I didn't know what my future looked like anymore. I prayed as I started to feel as though I was slipping again. I got baptized spontaneously, and I left a different life behind in that baptismal pool. I knew he had called me to something in missions, but I wasn't sure if that was just my desire to see the world. He told me, my daughter, I gave you a heart to travel that you may make disciples to every corner of the earth. Matthew 28:19 through 20 have now become my, my life verses. They say, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always, till the very end of the age. He has placed a heart in me for the Middle East to become a missionary. My focus now is to take one step at a time where he would have me. It's difficult trying to find that path to get somewhere so difficult. But now that I walk in freedom, I have decided that next year I am joining something called Impact 360, which will give me the Bible training I need before I go on to get a secular degree at a college so that I ha- can have another opportunity for an open door in the Middle East as they don't really allow Christians to come in as much. My life is beautiful and my future is bright. All because my world didn't end when I was 12 or 15 or 16. My life started when it became a life for Christ, and I gave it all to Him. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, friends. God is is real. He is transforming. He is rescuing. Nora, that verse in Deuteronomy, Be Strong and Courageous, is not just on a page. You've just demonstrated that for us today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Mark Layton is going to come share, talk about the renewal that the Lord has done in his life. We're grateful to God for his willingness to share his story and to give testimony to God's grace.
6: Hello, Living Hope Church. I'm basically just going to read from this here. Um, My name is Mark. I moved to Shrewsbury about a year ago with my wife, Sarah, and our son, Nathaniel. I'm up here this morning to offer a testimony of my walk with God. First of all, I'd like to thank God for never leaving my side. I also have to thank my parents for making sure that I knew God Okay, so I was born at a very young age, and as far back as I can recall, my family went to church on Sundays. Weeknights were Bible studies, choirs, youth groups. We received whatever the church had to offer, including help with food or rent if needed. My grandfather was actually a pastor for decades as well, and as my dad always said, if a window was left cracked, they were there, so... Sadly, what I was learning did not seem relevant to me. Or maybe I was just scared to put it to use. I don't remember. What I do remember was a sense that I wasn't good enough. And the more I focused on that, the worse I felt. That's part of why I began to turn away from God. And the next thing you know, I'm becoming angry inside and angry with God that I wasn't good enough. From there, it was easy to do all kinds of stupid things. Eventually, I found myself lost in the dark hopelessness of sin. I squandered my youth and just wanted to party with friends. None of that's worth retelling now. After a decade or so of foolishness, I'm getting really angry with God, and I'm blaming him for all my problems. I'm asking him, why do I feel like this? I struggled with that question for a long time before I started to see I couldn't solve any of it on my own. And I must admit, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I don't know where I'd be today. Fast forward, the answer was there all along. I can tell from my notes that I was reading my Bible again by 2018 and interested in going back to church. I was in my mid-30s and fearing my wife and I didn't have forever to make a family. I remember a time that I prayed for God to give us a child. A week or so later, I had a moment where I was about to flip out during a plumbing project at home. But this time, for some reason, I dropped to my knees and begged God for help. I promised I would change, and it felt God, it felt like God was there with me at that moment. Plus, the pipe miraculously stopped leaking. Uh, where was I? <laughs> right, oh, I lost my spot. Uh, where was that? Okay. A month and a half later, we find out that Sarah is pregnant and our son Nathaniel is coming. As it turns out, she was already pregnant the day I got on my knees to pray, we just didn't know it yet. This whole experience stood out as a sign that God was really trying to help me and that he was being very clear about it. After some time, our son is born, happy and healthy. Thank God. All these and many other things miraculously came together and worked out for me and my family. Eventually, we were able to start going back to church. It was during the pandemic when this was happening. Um... The same church that I went to regularly with my family from the time I was born until sometime in my late teens. It's funny how it takes all of these trials, or simply a lifetime of mistakes, to bring someone back to church. I'll admit that I was kind of surprised God was still there for me, as promised. This trying time in life caused me to turn my attention back toward God and want to live righteously. And uh, that reminds me of Psalm 4, verse 1, where uh, he says, Answer me, O God, when I call. O God of righteousness, you have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. So as time goes on, we decide to sell our home in Maryland and move to Pennsylvania. And thankfully, that whole process went smoothly. Once settled in some, it became obvious we needed to find a church closer to home. A kind lady down the street from our new home told us there was a church that meets at the Y, and they seem like friendly people. Soon I saw the sign for the church office and looked the name up. I realized it was the same church that meets at the Y, so we headed over to check the place out. And everybody was as friendly as promised. Good job. Good job. (laughs) <laughs> All right, I keep losing my space when I look up uh, where was I okay soon I uh, nope that wasn't where I was at <laughs> okay here it was from there we began coming to service and getting plugged in it's been a real blessing to find such an active community of Christians honestly it feels good to be accountable to God even though at times it can be scary I often wonder, am I worthy of forgiveness? Can I be saved? Is it a bad sign that I feel this way? Well, praise God, because when I read the Bible or go to church or listen to worship music, I am reminded that God is for me and Jesus came to earth and died for my sins so that I could be saved. I may have done everything in my power to resist God, but he's still here truly loving and forgiving, waiting for me to open my heart and just let Jesus in. Most recently, God put it on my heart to stop consuming alcohol. I tell you this because I'd been drinking something almost every day for years. I had no will to quit and easily met the definition of an alcoholic. Yet with prayer and faith in God, I haven't had any alcohol in three months. The only thing that's ever. Ma- <laughs> the only thing that ever makes it that easy is when I turn it over to God. So today, I can look forward toward my journey and take comfort knowing that God is on my side and I'm free to simply accept the love Jesus has for me. That's my testimony. Thanks for listening.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Man, aren't we so blessed? What a joy. What a joy to hear all that the Lord has done. Um, I love to hear how God stirs and speaks in people's hearts and and bring together a, a cohesive message and a reminder for us. I mean, As is often the case, one of the running themes is just the Lord's faithfulness. So many people talked this morning about the Lord staying at at their sides, uh, God walking with them, God's faithfulness, um, just that reminder. And I think really what we saw this morning, what we heard this morning is a picture of, of the Christian life, just a picture of the journey with all of its ups and downs, and I, and I really saw that in 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 each testimony, um, that that journey. I'm going to switch the order around as we kind of wrap up and prepare to take the Lord's supper. But it begins with what I think what Mark shared and just that renewal, that place of helplessness, falling down on your knees um, and crying out, and knowing that the Lord hears and and He will answer when we call. And whether you're here this morning, like Mark did, struggling, believing that you're not good enough or that God is too far, um, just that reminder that God is for you and that your renewal, your new beginning, can can be today. And 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 in that renewal, you receive a calling. Andrew talked again that the calling that God gave to Abraham was a calling for each of us to walk in that covenant, and that is a, is a calling to put others first. And to have that unwavering selfishness, and if you desire for the Lord to multiply you greatly as as God covenanted with Abraham, if you desire God to multiply you, that means you put him first, other second and your and yourself third and and as you walk in that. unselfishness the Lord begins to multiply and bless maybe not in the ways that you imagine but he begins to use you as you walk out that calling but in the midst of that calling as we were reminded of our opening song it is a battle following the Lord is a battle Mike talked about oftentimes those external forces of suffering that come on us like when you go to the ER and hear the word cancer but As he shared from Philippians 3, part of the Christian calling is to share in the suffering of Christ. And if you want to gain Jesus, it means you lose all. It means you put all behind and you press on to make Christ your own because He has made you His own. And so in the midst of whatever external suffering or hardship or battle you are facing, press on and put your hope in Christ. But for many of us, those are internal battles. So thankful to the Lord for for Norris Courage in sharing her struggle. Um, so many young people, so many not so young people, uh, particularly in the last five years, are struggling with mental health, struggling with with godless, unhealthy thoughts. And we're so grateful to God that He has rescued and and preserved Nora. And and for those that are facing that internal battle, um, get help. Cry out to others. Don't don't hide it as so many of us do, because those battles need to be fought by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need strength and courage, but it's only when the Lord stands at your side, and and often that's in the body of Christ. Often that's doctors and pastors and parents and counselors. And so please, please share and open up, whether it's an external battle that you're facing, an internal battle, doubt, self-harm, anxiety, depression, the Lord hears, the Lord knows, and the Lord can rescue. And so as we have this renewal in Christ, as we answer this calling, as we face these battles, um, it, it really leads to our mission. I'm so thankful for, for Connor sharing about just a window into her mission. And as she said, listen guys, there's no perfect moment. There's going to be no perfect moment to share Christ and to share what God has done. But but you may plant, you may water, it's it's God who causes the growth. So let's be a people as we live this Christian journey, as we're reminded that the Lord walks with us every step of the way. Let's be a people who live on mission, who are are eager to share the love of the Lord, to share our love for the Lord. And let's do that, as as Connor said, knowing that that we have the support of the body of Christ we have the support of one another and all of this is grounded in the work of Christ in the body and blood of Jesus and so as the worship team comes as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the Lord's Supper to close out 2023 to begin 2024 feasting on the sacrifice of Jesus we're reminded that our journey our lives our calling our mission our battles belong to the Lord And they're grounded in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ.